Great. Um, episode five. I can't believe we've come this far. This is episode five of uh, Part Two Women, which is a life cast series where we have conversations with global female business leaders and change makers, where they share their story with the intent of inspiring a new generation. And it's brought to you by us from Impact Africa Network, a nonprofit here in Nairobi on a mission to ensure young, talented Africans participate in the digital transformation of Africa as creators and owners. Today, I'm joined by two amazing people, one of them being one of our guests that we are really anticipating to talk to today, but also a different colleague than you're used to. Her name is Damaris. Uh, Damaris, you can introduce yourself and go ahead and introduce our guest for today. Awesome, Phyllis. Um, good evening, everyone, or good morning from wherever you are. Uh, we're happy to be joined by all of you today. Uh, my name is Damaris Kongin. I'm the PR Fellow for Impact Africa Network. And today we are happy to have a different guest who's also going to share with her, her experiences with the hopes of inspiring a new generation of female leaders. And so today I'm excited to introduce uh, Cheryl Conti. She's the award-winning CEO of the digital agency called Do Big Things. It's a diverse um, company that is using a new narrative and new tech to create global change in a new era. She's also the author of um, the Amazon bestseller, Mechanical Bull. It's a book uh, that talks about how you can achieve startup success and that it helps you to just navigate through the startup world, which is something that we are actively pursuing right now. Previously, Cheryl was also the CEO of, of Fusion Strategy, which uh, brought Silicon Valley startup culture to the world's leading causes and campaigns. She's also the co-founder of Attentively. It's the first tech startup with a black female founder um, to be acquired by Nasdaq company. And last but not least, uh, Sherry is also the proud co-founder of Yes, We Code. She's also been uh, featured on different uh, platforms from the Washington Post, New York Times, Vanity Fair, San Francisco Mag, Black Enterprise, BBC, CNN, among others. And Cheryl also serves on boards and advisory committees, um, including Me Truths Nation and Green Swiss USA. So yeah, we're happy to have you, Cheryl, and we hope that your experience and knowledge can inspire more young people. Um, I can just allow you to say something about yourself and yeah, highlight one of your biggest achievements from what I have listed, the many good things you're doing. Well, thank you, Phyllis and Amaris, for having me. And hello, everyone. It's so great to be here with Impact Africa Network. In a lot of ways, this is a dream come true for me, believe it or not, you know, to, to have this conversation. You know, I'm here in Silicon Valley. This is actually uh, my deck. Uh, welcome. Welcome to, to my patio. Uh, I have a view of the houseboats right now, you know, behind me. I'd say my biggest achievement really is being a mom. You know, and this is a, a joke that some of you, you know, may get it. It gets a lot of big hits here uh, in Silicon Valley when I talk about it. I uh, sold my company attentively, as you mentioned, to a NASDAQ company, and that was really challenging. Uh, but at the time, I was, you know, very pregnant, heavily pregnant. Uh, so sold my company in July uh, 2016, had my son home. August 2016. And I like to joke that uh, he's my new startup. Uh, he, uh, you know, I don't know uh, what the exit strategy is. And I'm not sure what, you know, the runway is about 20 years. So it's a little different from my previous startups. 
Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, it's interesting how you say you count your son as one of the startup. Um, I'm sure raising a kid is also quite work. It's not to be considered as just a normal thing. So um, did you know that um, you're going to get to the startup world, like growing up, is this what you wanted? Or what was that journey for you to discovering that you can build stuff, you can create, you can be a founder? Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I was trained, uh, you know, from very young, everyone in my extended family said, you're going to be a doctor, you know, you're, you're going to be a doctor. And I think that's true, particularly here in the United States, among minorities, you know, and immigrants, you know, where, you know, people, you know, really say, oh, you know, here's a talented kid, you should be a doctor, or you should be a lawyer, maybe sometimes you should be an, an engineer. But I think the example of, you know, small businesses being successful or even becoming big businesses, you know, entrepreneurship isn't necessarily, you know, as big an aspiration for, you know, a lot of uh, minority families uh, here in the United States, uh, in part because they're risky. I think they're seen as, as very risky and, you know, people think, you know, being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer, these are safe jobs, you know, they're prestigious jobs, uh, you know, very stable and, you know, well earning, right, you can provide for your family. So no, you know, it wasn't anything I, I imagined. And yet, if you read the book, Mechanical Bull, you know, you'll see, you know, I try to make the book both very informative. You know, there's a lot of very practical step-by-step -step information in there about how to rock your startup. But, you know, I also make it funny, you know, because I, I, I like to have fun. You know, life life should be joyful. And, you know, one of the stories I tell is being a kid and I, my first small business was uh, charging people to watch me and my boyfriend in the first grade kiss because uh, we were deeply in love, you know, as much at love as six-year-olds can be. And uh, other kids, you know, just thought it was, you know, hilarious. You know, we would lean in like this, you know, from far away and kiss. And other kids thought that was hilarious uh, and really interesting behavior. And, you know, I was like, we're not monkeys in a zoo here. If you want to watch us kiss, you know, it was a sliding scale, five to 10 cents for little kids, 25 cents for bigger kids. And, you know, we we made a lot of money, uh, so, you know, that entrepreneurial nature was in me. And I think it's in a lot of people, you know, you, you'll see kids, you're the type of kid who sets up their own little office, right? A mock office, you know, that kid, you know, has that spark or starts their own little business selling things. Um, I think it's interesting how you describe how um, you discovered your, your desire to start entrepreneurship. And it's actually important because um, most of us are really, and just everybody, it's something we're trying to do to just branch out of the traditional way of thinking that there's a certain safe place where if you work or if you do a certain thing, um, it should, uh, you know, give you that safety net. And it's okay to, you know, take the risk of going to start something new that you're unsure of and, you know, just breaking those uh, fears that you have. So, yeah, it's very impressive how you started your journey. I'll well, absolutely. Okay, no, and, oh, yeah. One of the things that I, I tell people here, I, I do a lot of talks on entrepreneurship and, you know, just going back to the conversation we had about risk and it, it being seen as risky to launch your own business. And, you know, what I tell people is the perceived risk is higher than the real risk. It is true here in the United States, 90% of startups will fail. Um, and there, that's for a lot of reasons. And any seasoned executive, you know, for your next job understands that there are a lot of reasons why your business might not have succeeded that have nothing to do with you. And the good news is that even if your startup fails, and it probably will, you 
you know, have a lot to bring to an employer now. You know, you have shown that you are a dreamer, you know, you are ambitious, you are a hard worker, you have performed at an executive level. And so you are now qualified for a higher position than, you know, where you started. And so, you know, the I think the perceived failure, you know, is what holds a lot of people back from doing it. And yet if they understood that even if you fail, you can fail up, you know, into a higher position and a higher salary. Uh, you mentioned how um, it's important to understand that um, it's okay to fail, like you can fail up. Was there any stage um, in you founding your company that you almost got to a point of saying, okay, this is it, I, I want to now, I, I, I want to give up on this? Because I'm sure you had so many of those moments where you were like, okay, I've come this far but there's so many challenges um, that I'm facing with this or that. How would you, what would you say about that? Oh, Damaris. I mean, every other day, you know, and that's why I, the book, you know, that I wrote, you know, I wrote the book. It's basically the book I wish I'd had when I started out. And the reason it's called Mechanical Bull, I don't know, you know, how, how many people know, you know, what those are. Um, but, you know, basically a mechanical bull in the United States, it's, it's basically a, a, a giant machine, you know, that acts like a bull and you, you ride the bull, right? And it's supposed to be fun. But, uh, you know, when uh, it's a wild ride and usually you fall off, you almost always fall off. That's the point of, of the ride. And, you know, when men ride the mechanical bull, people are looking at their strength and their stamina. You know, when women, you know, ride the mechanical bull, they're looking at other things, right? They're looking at, you know, all of the the, the fun lady parts. Uh, so it's a different ride, you know, for women to be sure. And, you know, so for us, it was difficult. You know, you, you probably have heard of Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and Ginger Rogers is famous for saying, you know, he gets all the credit for being such a good dancer, but I'm doing the same thing backwards and in heels. Uh, and certainly it felt like that at times, you know, that we were, you know, doing it uh, the hard way, um, you know, with a startup in particular, a, a tech startup, one day, you know, we would feel like, oh, we're going to be queens of the world. We're going to be billionaires. It's going to be amazing. And literally the next day we'd be like, oh boy, wow, this was a fun ride. <laughs> we did as much as we could. It's over. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, you know, I do think that it, it takes a lot of strength and character you know, to get through those moments, right? And and really believe in yourself. And that's, I think, one of the most important takeaways that I had from having a startup is that no one is going to believe in you more than you. And if you don't believe in you, you're not going to convince your customers, you're not going to convince, you know, your vendors or your investors. It starts with you believing that you're smart enough and resourceful enough to figure out a way out of any challenge. Um, I think you make a really good point. I think I even had one uh, had uh, you say this in I think one of your interviews that there's no way you can convince someone about something you yourself do not actually believe in. Mm. So they they can see through you when they see you're you're, not, you're so unsure of your idea or whatever you're trying to pitch. So I think you make a really great point there. Great. I mean, I'm, I'm going to pick up from let's let's dwell on the book, Mechanical Bull. Uh, you've mentioned a few things like a lot of startups are going to fail and you've seen them fail. But in your book, you 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 almost talk about uh, what startups need to do to to succeed. So can you tell us what are, what are some of the things that you've seen people do that have caused failure and what are the things that you would recommend? Uh, as Cheryl to to ensure there's success in in the, in the startup that someone is doing. 
That's a really great question, Phyllis. Mm -hmm. And I, I wish people asked it more often. Uh, I would say, you know, in terms of, of failure, often what I find is that uh, people are not focused on revenue and reputation in that first year. The first year, you've got to drive both of those really hard. And, and they, to a certain extent, it's circular. You know, your reputation you know, helps drive your revenue. And as you, you know, are driving revenue, you're building your reputation, right? And so those, those are the key things. And, and sometimes people are not focused on, on those things. You know, maybe they're focused on noodling around with the product and, you know, they're not paying attention to, you know, th those other factors. Uh, another thing that, that tends to uh, erode businesses is shared, shared vision among the founders. You know, you, if you're infighting with each other, you know, if you're spending a lot of time uh, focused on, you know, conflict internally, it means you're not focused on revenue and reputation and, you know, that external push, you know, and, and concentric circle of building out um, that you need to, to think daily about. Reputation is an interesting concept to bring up. And I mean, reputation connotes what other people perceive you as. So what, what things should people do to ensure that is out there? Because sometimes you can be you can be caught up in within yourselves, not knowing what what other people think about you. I I don't know even how you answer that question, but I hope you get me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I absolutely can answer that question. I mean, it, right? It it is one of those ephemeral concepts, right? Reputation. What does that mean? Where does it come from? Uh, you know, reputation. I believe that reputation starts in again inside you. You know, what's your you know how do you carry yourself with dignity? integrity, justice, you know, compassion, right? And then how does that filter out into all of your business dealings, right? All of your relationships with with people. You know, rep, you're, you're, you know who you are is absolutely manifested throughout your organization. You know, the, the, if you're the head or the founder of your startup, your strengths and your weaknesses will absolutely, you know, be, filter out and and manifest themselves in in how your business operates and how your business is perceived. So anything you can do that plays to your strengths, that mitigates your weaknesses, you know, is going to help you build that reputation. But then reputation is also built on, you know, what what is your thought leadership out in the world? You know, how are you contributing, you know, to your practice and to your community? How are you uh, helping others, you know, does does the work that you're doing help others? Uh, you know, are you uh, you know being fair to your employees? You know, are you providing a good service or a fantastic product? You know that works, right? And are you know are you delivering good customer service? You know, when someone calls with a question or a problem, you know how are they treated? All of these things, you know, start to you know impact your reputation. Of course, advertising, you know, is one way to balance and build your reputation, but ultimately, you know, an advertise and an advertisement can only go so far. You know, people's experience of you, your employees, right? Your product or your service is is what builds your reputation over time. Great, great. I think that almost draws back to what is the culture within the company that you you start you're setting up. Now tell us more about do big things. This is your kind um venture and i find i've read about it but our audience have probably not read about it i've seen all the people that are involved that you're working with have had a history in working for social good so tell us more about it um and also i think two questions in one more about do big things but also what was that moment that you realized you wanted to do this thing this uh, you wanted to set up such a platform 
called Do Big Things. Absolutely. Well, uh, Do Big Things is a digital agency uh, that works with the world's leading nonprofits, foundations, candidates for, for political office and corporations to provide the new narrative and new tech for the new era in which we're all living. Uh, and we were founded in 2016, uh, shortly after, sorry, we founded in 2018, but it was starting in 2016 that after Donald Trump was elected, you know, I looked around our, our space, you know, we've always been in, in impact or, you know, social entrepreneurship. And I, I looked around our space and said, you know, we need to be doing something differently. If this could happen here in the United States, that a person like this could, could be seen as a leader, you know, we're, we, we, we should be doing better in, in our work and in, in our digital organizing and engagement around important issues. And so, you know, we merged with another company. I had Vision Strategy, my prior agency, we merged with another group, you know, we grew, um, you know, we we are a, you know, multi, you know, we ran tens of millions of dollars worth of digital ads in uh, the 2020 election cycle. And, you know, we are really excited, you know, that we're going to have, I think, you know, better leadership here in the United States starting in January. Um, and that's in part, you know, due to our efforts, we worked with, you know, uh, I trained personally, hundreds of grassroots digital organizing groups around the country but you know our our team all over the united states including in places you you may have been hearing about like arizona you know we work to uh engage as many voters you know as we could uh but we also work with corporations you know we work with corporations like google uh etsy uh, NBC Universal, who brings a lot of your favorite TV shows. Uh, you know, we uh, Salesforce uh, has been a client. Uh, so we work with a lot, a host of different uh, organizations um, who are wanting to engage citizens uh, on important issues and enlist them to work together. Great talk you're doing there, I must admit. Um, I, I think I need, I want to delve deep as to how you work, especially with the corporates like Salesforce, or if you have like a success story that you can tell us, help us, us and the audience to understand better if possible. Sure, you know, I think Etsy is a really great example. You know, Etsy, for those of you, most people know about Etsy, but for those who don't know, Etsy is a giant marketplace of goods. Uh, people, any, anyone can create, uh, you know, a an artisan, uh, product and then you know sell it on Etsy. So it's this giant marketplace, and you know, most of Etsy's sellers are women. You know they're mostly women working from home. You know they they create you know their uh you know their handbag or you know their you know whatever it is that their pot whatever it is that, that they make and. You know these women are are independent. You know they're working from home. You know they uh, have needs. You know they they have policy needs. You know to make sure that they're able to you know continue to sell you know their their marketplace or you know understand their taxes. And so we've worked with Etsy uh, on their advocacy. You know so bringing together their sellers and community to say, look, we as Etsy, the corporation, and you as you know an independent individual working from your home, you know, selling your goods, you know, there are some policies uh, that the government um, is putting forth that we have we have interests in common, you know, and let's join together. We want to help educate you on this issue because we want to protect you as a company. Protecting you as a company means that we can we all continue to succeed. And so I'm really proud, you know, of the work that we've been been doing there. You know, helping you know individual, uh, you know, female entrepreneurs, you know, be successful, you know, with a you know a, a mostly female run company. 
Great, good job again, Cheryl. Good job, especially in that market and in this time and success with whatever has happened in the US, which we are happy for you people. And just right before I invite Damaris, I'm sure she has a bit more questions. I'd like to encourage our audience to engage with us on our social media pages with the hashtag part for women. You can leave us your questions or questions for Cheryl and she'll answer. Damaris, you can go ahead. Okay, thank you, Phyllis. Uh, so um, on to just even uh, the points that you've just talked about that at Do Big Things, you really champion for women leadership and that diversity. And also as uh, the first black uh, female co-founder of a startup that was acquired by NASDAQ, um, would you say um, that we are there yet in regards to diversity and inclusion at the, at the workplace? And if, if not, what do you think we can still do about it? Oh, there's still so much work to be done in terms of diversity in the workplace, as you know. And and actually, uh, I've been working uh, ever more closely with the Impact Seat. Uh, you can check them out at theimpactseat.com. And uh, their founder, Barbara Clark, is uh, among one of the leading angel investors in uh, Black female innovation and tech startups. And you know, her vision is: look, you know, if if we're if we're not investing you know, in black women and making them succeed, it's going to be hard for anyone to succeed ultimately, you know, at least in the American economy. And I think, you know, there's a lot of lessons from the American economy that others can take, you know, in, in other countries. So, you know, diversity and in inclusion and equity, you know, I, I talk about it not as a moral imperative, you know, it, of course it's good. You know, we should all be inclusive, right? We should all, you know, have a chance to make our highest contribution that we can make whatever that is. But ultimately it's an economic imperative. You know, I don't know about, you know, Nairobi, but here in the United States, women buy 70% of everything, literally, that's, that's the statistic. And so if you're not, you know, understanding, you know, what women want and what women need, you're missing out on a whole bunch of money, right? Like, you know, it, it just makes more sense that, you know, you would look to the people who are actually the customers and pull from them ideas and products, you know, and solutions that then, you know, are gonna increase everyone's vote. And look, you know, genius lies within each and every one of us. And if we only think that genius lies, you know, in, in you know, a group of people with a certain piece of anatomy, you know, we're really missing out, right? On on you know incredible breakthroughs that we can have, you know, as a global civilization. And so, you know, I believe that you know, we should be trying to uncover that genius, unlock these new products and solutions that are that are going to solve you know the world's problems going forward, and and not worry as much about where they're coming from, but evaluate them, you know, on the strength of, of their ideas. I think you make a, a really great point. And yeah, about even Nairobi, um, us at Impact Africa Network, we're really championing for women leadership. So um, we, we are in the business of building startups that are going to breed change. And so in those st very startups that we are building, we are putting women um, to lead them because we believe that they are capable of leading these complex uh, systems. So I think I agree with you that even in developing of products, um, we need to have more women in designing in so many other things because we are all capable of doing it. And it's about time that, that we have that diversity. Um, I'd also like to know, like, um, would, is there like 
um, do you think being a woman impacts your leadership style or what do you think about that? Does, does being a woman impact your leadership style? I think it does. I, I think it does. And, you know, we can see, you know, right now that, you know, in countries that are led by women, they've actually had a, a stronger and, and better COVID-19 response. I think that, you know, women have a lot to bring to leadership in terms of, you know, our strength in relationship building, you know, our communication abilities. Uh, you know, I think that women also tend to think of others often before themselves. Sometimes that is a weakness, but it can also be a strength. You know, when, you know, women are, you know, the, the type are, are trained often, but also, you know, by our character, by our nature, you know, we want to see everyone be well, you know, and, and you know, we, we really put a lot of emphasis on that. So I do think that being a woman, you know, has impacted, you know, my leadership style in terms of, you know, being uh, more inclined to listen than to talk. Uh, you know, I, I really try to, you know, bring people together, you know, in consensus as much as I can, uh, you know, so that everyone feels invested, you know, they feel uh, heard, you know, and they feel ready to, you know, join together in a, in a team environment, rather than, you know, a top bound, like I'm the boss, you do what I say, you know, especially as new generations are coming up, you know, they're not responsive to that kind of leadership you know, which is, you know, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, a, you know, a, a male approach, you know, to, to, you know, bringing a team together as, you know, command and control. And, you know, we're finding in younger generations that, you know, they really want to, you know, within their sphere, feel as though they're a leader, maybe they're not a leader of the entire organization, you know, but they're a leader of their project, you know, of, of, of their piece of the puzzle. And so I think, you know, women often excel in creating that type of leader of leaders type of organization. Uh, I agree with you. And um, there's, there's the point about, of course, giving women these positions. But um, do you have like a specific or do you frequently witness uh, women making certain mistakes at the workplace um, in, your, in your era of leadership? Have you seen a certain kind of trend or maybe women and how they uh, maybe make mistakes at the office, Sure. I think one of the mistakes um, women often make is uh, not being assertive enough. And, uh, you know, there's a, it is a fine line, right, between, you know, being perceived as, you know, aggressive, right, or bossy, you know, as a woman, or, you know, th those types of uh, adjectives or even being a bitch. And, you know, look, don't be afraid of being a bitch. You know, you can have people like you, or you can have people respect you. And it's not necessarily binary, but you know, ultimately, you know, if you worry more about being respected than being liked, um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to help you move further. That doesn't mean that being liked isn't important. You know, obviously, you know, I, I want people to like me, you know, I, I want people to love me, you know, ideally. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, it's more important that people respect my ideas. And so don't give up, you know, if, if you put forth an idea, and, you know, people don't get it at first, you know, and sometimes that's because you're a woman and they're just not taking you seriously or not listening to you, you know, or if a man takes your idea, you know, and starts a one with it and, you know, makes it his own, you know, speak up, you know, don't, don't let that, you know, continue to persevere. You know, again, no one's going to believe in you more than you. No one's going to advocate or defend you better than you. You know, and so make sure that, you know, your voice is heard, you know, and if you're in a position where people aren't hearing you, where they don't respect you, where they're not listening to you, leave, 
you know, figure it out. It might take you some time to find that next place, but you know, you don't have, you know, don't surround yourself and don't allow yourself to be treated poorly. You know, there's always another opportunity out there, you know, to, to, you know, be successful. Personal story. Sounds like uh, you have quite immense experience in having to stand up for yourself. I, I'd imagine that's rightfully so, especially in the society that you live in. Um, but I want to dwell more actually on your personal story. Uh, it seems, of course, for you to have the knowledge you have, you have learned it, but also were there people in in your life, uh, maybe in the, in the capacity of a mentor or supporters? I'm just trying to get how much support in terms of mentorship did you receive and is that something that you would recommend to your journey? And this is in reference to the fact that I, I read and I stand to be corrected that your first venture was in 2006, if I'm not wrong, right? Um, so to, for you to get to that place where you actually started something, where there are people who held your hand to help you believe in yourself, um, to help you know that this is something that you could do. Sure. Absolutely. You know, I, I've been so fortunate to, you know, have people who sometimes saw something in me that I didn't see in me um, and, and who encouraged me, you know, to uh, pursue leadership or, or achievement or, or start something new. Uh, you know, some of those people have been white men, you know, who have been, you know, in incredibly supportive. You know, some were friends, you know, some were bosses, you know, who really encouraged me. And in, in some ways they were able to see some of the discrimination, you know, that I was experiencing before I saw it, you know, and, and were able to, you know, help me navigate that. So, you know, I think that, you know, advocates can come in different forms. At the same time, I've learned as much from the haters as well, from the people who weren't supportive. You know, I've, I've you know, had bosses who were terrible. And, you know, I, you know, took a step back. And if you're able to cultivate that type of detachment in yourself, I, I encourage it because it's able to take a step back and say, hmm, this is a pretty negative experience. I don't like the way I'm being treated. I don't like the way this people treats other people or even themselves. What can I learn from this? Right. And, and how can I be different? You know, when I am in a position of authority someday, you know, what would I do differently than this person and to what end? Right. What, what would I hope to accomplish by doing this differently? And how will I know, you know, that I'm being successful in a way that this person is clearly, clearly not? Great, great. Seems like you had an assortment and it's, it, that's just the thing about life. I'm, I'm curious as to how you run do big things and all other things that you've co-found, other companies that you've co-founded before in terms of culture and values. What are some of the values that you uphold very highly, especially in the context of the ventures that you've started? Absolutely. I would say all of the ventures that I've started and I'm on a number of boards. I'm on a, you know, many uh, nonprofit boards as, as well, you know, board of directors. And with all of the organizations in which I participate, I believe that trust and transparency are incredibly important. Obviously, not everyone needs to know everything all of the time. Um, but at the same time, people people know when you're not telling the truth. Okay, I mean, they just know people are, are, are intuitive, you know, in by nature, uh, you know, so, you know, people, people want to know the truth, and it doesn't help anyone, you know, to, to spin a story. Uh, you know, I do think that, you know, other, uh, other things that I find important, collegiality, 
right? Are we behaving as colleagues? You know, I don't like in factions, you know, where there's a group inside a company who's in competition with another group and they're fighting all the time. Again, that type of infighting, it sucks up an awful lot of energy that ultimately needs to be pointed externally in order to drive that revenue and reputation. Uh, so, you know, I think that, you know, making sure that people are supporting each other, you know, and it's more that us against the world type of mentality or, or us for the world, hopefully, if you're doing it for impact, um, you know, that, you know, we're, we're you know, you, you need to have each other's back and also helping people have respect for each other. You know, even even if someone maybe you're a developer, you know, and you have a very different type of job than someone who is a content writer, uh, you know, how how can you work together? You know, how can we bring these skills together and cross pollinate such that, you know, we're creating and doing something new? You know, we're innovating. So I think that innovation, you know, particularly by bringing together different skills um, and and uh, mashing them up to then create something new is something that I really try to bring to all of my organizations. That's a mesh up. That's good culture. I mean, I feel like culture is what I've learned or I've been learning over the last few months is just how important it is to set, to set up culture, uh, a good culture that will help to propel a company to greater things. Uh, so let's talk about Sheryl. What, what is it that you're doing to ensure that you remain one relevant and impactful as a leader you can think about it as a leader as a ceo of do big things but in all the boards that you sit in what 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 personally are you doing something that some a young woman or a, or a woman coming into a leadership position can borrow absolutely well again you know i don't know about nairobi and kenya but at least here in the united states you know black women are seen as these endless givers you know that you just give and give and give and you're not supposed to expect to get anything back and that's really unhealthy, as it turns out. That's not sustainable. That's a good. That's a good way into an early grave. And so, you know, I think one of the things that I have learned is that, you know, as they say on an airplane, you have to put your oxygen mask on first before you can help others, before you can put on other people's oxygen mask. And so, you know, I I spend a fair amount of energy taking care of me. I do a little bit of yoga every morning. I meditate every evening. You know, I look you know, hard at my nutrition. I try to take a walk every day, you know, for a little exercise and to clear my head. You know, I, I'm hydrate, <laughs> you know, all of those things, you know, help sustain me, you know, and give something back to me so that I then am revitalized enough to give more of myself to others. And so I, I really, you know, can't stress that enough that, you know, we as humans, you know, our spirit is infinite. We can do anything. You know, we have, you know, we have lit the night, you know, but with electricity, you know, we can fly like the birds, right? However, you know, the body is finite and you have to take care of the body. You know, you must, you know, care for, you know, this internal plant in order to unleash the infinite. Um, you make a really great point, Cheryl, from self-care to just everything you're doing to stay relevant and to stay, um, you know, just head strong in, in all that you're supposed to do. Uh, we have an interesting question from uh, one of our, uh, our viewers, and she asks, is there a time when Cheryl felt like she was not moving forward in her career? Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, it's it's happened yeah. to me. I think it happens to anyone across the, the point of their career where you, 
you know, you take a step back and you look around, you're like, what am I doing here? You know, what's, you know, like, I feel like I'm standing still, or, you know, I feel like I'm thwarted, I'm, I'm blocked from, you know, continuing to achieve. And there's a lot of things you can do about that. Obviously, you can, you know, begin to look for another job, you know, or you can start to plan your next venture, you know, or you can look at where you are now and say, you know, wow, well, what, are, what, what could we be doing more? You know, how can I innovate, you know, or, you know, have a new experience, you know, here, you know, within, you know, my organization. And sometimes that might mean, you know, hiring someone new, you know, who's bringing in fresh ideas and fresh energy, you know, maybe that's starting to network and get some into some new circles. Maybe that's getting coaching or counseling. I have an executive coach that I've worked with for years, uh, you know, and it's really helpful to run past him, you know, ideas or, you know, let him know, hey, I feel a little stuff, you know, and he'll help me brainstorm some ideas. Speaking of brainstorming, you know, if you're feeling that way, particularly if you're in a position of authority, chances are maybe some other people within your organization or within your, you know, startup, your entrepreneurial community are feeling that way too. bring people together, be that leader that convenes people and says, hey, you know, what could we be doing new, different, innovative, you know, that, that pushes our, our industry further. And you might be surprised, you know, that, you know, multiple, you know, many hands make light work in terms of starting to, you know, create that breakthrough together. I think you make a very good point. So it's basically when you feel that way, you stop, you reevaluate and just um, share with someone if you can, look for a way forward and you'd be surprised maybe you have other people experiencing what you are and you can share ideas on how to you know change how you're feeling and just take a positive step um forward um okay so we have uh, numerous uh, of our fellows who are women and they are working on numerous projects which we intend for them to you know scale into startups and what would you like tell these women what's what would be like um your advice uh, to women who are going into leadership position for the first time, because you see these are women who are now leading their projects and they're just, uh, you know, moving the needle and it's something they're doing for the first time. What would you tell these young women? Absolutely. I would say, listen, you know, I think that, uh, and again, I think this is a skill that, that, you know, women often, you know, have and are, and, and are encouraged to cultivate, but, you know, I think the best leaders ultimately listen. Listen more than you talk, especially as you're coming in and, you know, go go on a listening tour, you know, as it's called, you know, actually sit down with individuals and, you know, understand, ask them some questions, you know, you know, what are your pain points? right? You know, what's what's working now? You know, what are you doing now that you like? And, and how do you want to build that? You know, I, I very much adhere to a servant leadership type model where, you know, I tell my team all the time, look, you know, my job as CEO is twofold. Uh, first, it's to spread the word about how amazing you are and get people excited about working with you. Uh, and two, it's to make sure you have everything you need, all of the resources, all of the confidence, you know, a great reputation in order to rock your job. So you tell me, what do you need? What do you need to do? You know, what can I, what resources can I bring, you know, to help you be more successful? Because if your team is successful, you're going to get the credit for a lot of that. You make, uh, your, your point is, uh, it's so interesting how this is something that's been mentioned before um, by a different speaker, how you should, you know, always look, listen for like, 
talk to people who have been in these positions before and actually listen to what they are trying to say, what their experiences have been. Just look for the best person in the game and learn from them and it will actually like move the needle for you. So I really, I, I, I appreciate that point. Um, I think I can hand over to Phyllis. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a point that will stick with all of us. Listen, always listen, be an active listener, whether it's up, upwards or horizontally, or even just from below, be an active listener. I think we have another, we are 44 minutes in, but we can take another question from one of the audiences. And they're asking, at what point did you feel successful? At what point did you sit and say, I am successful? I think you spoke a lot more about your about your son, but maybe you can answer this question from Mumbi. Yeah, Mumbi, that's such a great question. And no one, I don't think anyone's ever asked that. So thank you. Gosh, you know, I have to think, you know, I, I think when I first bought my house, I, I bought a house back when I lived in Washington, DC. And, you know, that, that was a big day. You know, I, I remember, you know, moving in and I, I laughed, I cried, you know, I had like all of these emotions all, all at once. And, and that felt like a really big deal. Uh, you know, I would say, you know, the, the day that I, I wasn't stressed out, you know, at the grocery store about, you know, did I have enough money in the bank, you know, to pay, you know, for my groceries, you know, that, that was also a, a big day, you know, a feeling like, okay, you know, I, I've achieved a, a level of, you know, financial success that I, you know, buying, buying something doesn't create stress for me anymore. Um, you know, but look, you know, I think, you know, the, the most successful that you can feel is when, um, you know, those around you, you know, you'll start to get external validation from, from those in your life, you know, that, you know, they see you as succeeding. And I think that that can be really important. Um, but ultimately, you know, again, you know, look to yourself, you know, success can look really different to a lot of different people. And, you know, it can help to I'm, I'm a big fan of visioning, you know, and having a vision of, you know, what is it that I want to do? And that way, you'll know, you know, when you start to get there, like, oh, gosh, you know, I had this vision five years ago, and, and here I am, you know, and maybe I've even, you know, broken the cloud barrier, you know, of uh, what I thought I could achieve. Uh, so that's always a really exciting moment when I would say then the next level of success for me was then feeling like, oh, this is a thing that I never even dreamed would happen. This is this, this event, this moment now is something that I couldn't have even imagined for myself. I've broken the cloud barrier of what I even thought was possible. And that's, I think, one of the highest levels of success for anyone. On that same line, before we leave that same thought process, um, from where you sit, from your experience, what would you say, or one or two, three things that is the biggest challenge for the next generation of women, and especially women of color, trying out in this space of startups and innovation what 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 is your opinion on that sure i think one of the biggest uh challenges women face is how to balance home life and their work life and i think that this is a continuing challenge certainly you know here in the united states childcare is very expensive you know and, and not always easy um to get and certainly covid 19 with all of the lockdowns um, you know, this is placed in an extra burden on on women who are, you know, trying and it's it's in, you know, we have a lot of moms in, in our family. Uh, I mean, sorry, in our in our company, you know, who are having to educate their children online, you know, with their schools, you know, and you know, try to attend meetings. And you know, some of that work doesn't always, you know, fall 
you know, to some, some of their, um, you know, the fathers, their, their partners, you know, or, or mothers are, are, are stepping up and, and sometimes they're not. And so I think that, you know, really understanding that, you know, women need flexibility in their work. You know, we've tried to create a, a very family friendly business for all of my businesses where people, you know, I don't care, you know, where you work from. I don't care really, you know, when you start work, what I care is the work getting done, you know, and I think that, you know, chaining, you know, particularly women to a desk, you know, in an office nine to five, you know, just isn't realistic in the modern world. And the more you can create that flexibility where women can design their day so that they can keep their home life, you know, and their, their business life in balance, you know, where it's like, yes, I'm in, I'm in my heels, you know, I'm going to this business meeting, but I also need to take my kid to the doctor right after. And then I'll be online, you know, checking my email, you know, making sure that women have that flexibility makes all the difference in women then being able to succeed you know, at those next levels. Thanks, Cheryl. Uh, we are 48 minutes in. We are, time is out for us here. But I think one of the things I would like to highlight is that a lot of what of the things we would have learned more are in your book, Mechanical Bull, where you talk about how to create startup success out of your experience. And some of the things you say, you actually mentioned and discussed that you wish you knew before you started. But you've, you've, done, you've had success being uh, a black woman on, on a company that was acquired by NASDAQ. That's, that's something, that's something to be spoken about. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, we're 50 minutes in. Thank you for making time. Uh, thank you to our audience. But before we go, I'll just like to remind you that Impact Africa is a nonprofit startup studio where we are committing to changing the African narrative. And we firmly believe women are critically important in this mission. That's why we are holding this live cast to share experiences of other women from other markets with everyone. But to support us in creating these positions, creating these opportunities, you can do so by support support joining our micro donations program for as little as $30 a month and be part of this exciting movement. Thank you so much everyone for joining us today uh, with Cheryl and Damaris and that's it from us for, to for, for tonight or for this morning from wherever you come watching from. <laughs>